How to Engage the Disengaged. Welcome to episode 14 of the Science Communication Accelerator podcast. Let's go. So when I say engaging the disengaged, what I mean is engaging the majority of people because we live in our little bubble, don't we? Welcome to another episode of the Science Communication Accelerator podcast. Today, it's about engaging the disengaged. It's about the people that we are traditionally not so really good at actually reaching out. So today, I'm going to talk about this with an awesome guy, and you'll get to know him in a second. He's an earth scientist, he's a science communicator, and he's also a trainer for science communication and helps organizations um, yeah, to, to get better at science communication. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Hayden Mort. Oh, thanks very much, Julius. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It was actually you were the first one who reached out through Instagram to me, and then we got into the conversation. And I'm very happy to have you on the podcast today. Um, so, Hayden, before we start really talking about this topic, would you mind just giving me a little bit an idea who you are, and not just me, obviously, but also the the um, the audience, what you do in your day to day normal life, and actually what gets you up in the morning? Well, the thing that gets me up in the morning are my kids. And they're, they're five and they're eight years old and they really, really, yeah, they literally get me up in the morning. I mean, like push me out of bed. And that's that's great. That, I think that's the way I base my life, really. Everything that I do in my life revolves around my children. OK, and that includes my science outreach, believe it or not. We'll get on to that in a moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, what what gets me up in terms of what I'm doing on a day by day basis? Well, OK, I'm a geologist, earth scientist. I like to look at, the, look at the world, I get inspired by what I see, but I like to share that with other people. And you're right, so what, the topic today is engaging the disengaged, and the people that the target of my audience during my social media outreach, what I do, is actually trying to help those people who don't care about science, help those people care. And those are the people that, as you've already alluded to, we're not typically accustomed to targeting in our science outreach. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's already a beautiful uh, segue. Is it called segue in English? It's just yeah. a beautiful uh, introduction already. But but like, why is it important to yeah to to engage people in science communication in general? And why is it so hard that some people are easier to be engaged and some others are less easy to engage? What's your experience there? Well, you know that, Julius. I mean, as a human beings they encompass a whole spectrum of personalities right i mean you've got people who are literally naturally curious i, I think kids are naturally curious right i mean you, they're actually born scientists if you think about the way they operate at school <laughs> i mean the question that they might ask most is why 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 this why that and, and when you tell talk to kids about how the world works they're like natural sponges just like they are for languages and, and humanities they want to know but then there's a serious problem and that and that is that they actually go to school uh, and the secondary school especially high school um they're not taught to ask questions anymore right they're taught to actually remember stuff for exams yeah just to pass tests uh it's called teaching to the test and science is actually you know presented to them as a series of facts and accomplishments yeah they mm. think that science has all the answers well that's completely boring when you what's what is there to engage with in the future what have they got to contribute to science if they think that science has all the answers and it's just about you know revising for a test 
So, of course, because we have a spectrum of human behavior and human attitudes and curiosity, you're going to get a certain slice of those kids who are going to go on to do science at university. But the majority don't, right? They do other stuff, anything else, right? And so when I say dis- engaging the disengaged, what I mean is engaging the majority of people. Because we we live in our little bubble, don't we, as scientists? Mm. <laughs> you know, we, we, we think that science is cool. We talk to people who are curious about science. We, we get them. But what about, like, I don't know the exact number, but I was, I've been guessing it's 80 to 90% of the population who don't care, right? Who really just are stuck in their daily grind, who care about paying the bills, care about relationships, care about what's on the television. And that's it, you know? What about them? The majority, what I'd like to call the the high-hanging fruit of a tree. Well, we, we tend to go for the low-hanging fruit, the easy bits, the easy guys and girls. Which who is are probably easy. not a bad thing in general, isn't it? <clears throat> no, it's, like, it's not a bad yeah. thing. We've got to get them. We have to get them. Of course we do. Mm. But when we're talking about shifting society's opinion, and people are voters, let's say, if we want to shift society's opinion uh, to such an extent that it changes public policy that we have to aim higher up the tree. We have to get those people who don't care, right? And so that is why I think it is incumbent upon scientists and science communicators to not just, if I'm a scientist, show a fossil to say, oh, look, it's a lovely fish fossil. That's amazing. It's incredible. We have to try to generate ways of communicating which actually appeals to a way broader, wider audience, Okay, because that is the way we're going to change society. Okay. Mm. In a second, we'll get about how, 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 what we can do to get these higher hanging fruits. Can, mm. But can you give me an idea if there are actually like support programs? Because I, I've been hearing this topic for quite some months now, and I feel it's coming up, coming up, coming up, coming more. But can mm. you maybe give you from your experience as a science communicator, but also before that, you know, you, you did a PhD and stuff. Can you can you give me an idea? Like since when you have the feeling that this is maybe a topic that's coming up or, and is it is it a hot topic right now from your perspective, or is it actually just between you and me a hot hot topic? <laughs> uh, no, I, well, what I can say, I don't know about because we're talking about this is a science com podcast. So science mm. is, in itself is a little universe, right? It's, it's a biome. Well, my area of the science, yes, it is an extremely hot topic, and so my, I'm an earth scientist. So that includes geology, includes the atmosphere, it includes ice, it includes oceans. It's a very hot topic because there aren't enough people going in to do earth sciences at university. You know, geoscience departments around the world are either having their budget slashed or they're actually closing completely their programs because there aren't enough students enrolling into those programs. Yeah. So the vice chancellors are saying, well, this is just this is this isn't economical. It's just cancel that. And so. Traditionally, okay. traditionally, geologists have been like doing outreach all the time. They do like mineral shows, rock shows, fossils. They, they're pretty good at doing that. It's volcanoes, these big things around the world. But at the same time, we've been... And also taught... stuff that's very tangible, isn't it? So it's, it's tangible, tangible, yeah. It's it should be easy, easy to inspire people about tsunamis and earthquakes and mega things like this. But at the same time, we introduce those things because we think they are interesting in their own right. Right. But in that way, we only target people who are curious about those things, who are curious about earthquakes and volcanoes. But again, they're the minority. Right. So we should definitely do that. 
but we shouldn't forget the ma the majority of people who don't care about earthquakes, <laughs> right? Mm. Who don't live on a fault line somewhere. Um, and that is the way that we're actually going to shift society to have them appreciate that they're invested in the planet, that they are dependent on a healthy planet. And therefore, maybe we should be doing earth sciences at university after all. And the parents are going to encourage their children to do it because they think this is part of the future. Talk about net zero, COP26. We need more earth scientists to solve these mega problems around the world. I just thought about that. It just just that particular yeah. thought, because isn't that like one field where it's really important to have good people who yeah. understand these systems because these yeah. systems are super complex yeah. um, and it's really needed. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm already having more and more questions here, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah anyway, yeah. but um, so obviously there are some people who are interested by default, let's say, like into science and it could be earth science, could be anything else, I guess. What is it what we can really do and like i know you've got some experience there like how do you hook people in like or how do you how do you get people in because you said oh. there's only so many people who are interested in the topic by by itself or by default how do we get the others and there's so many things you can do i mean i can just give you a, a few ex i can give you a few examples that's what my course is really all about practical due communication i mean it's it's really about um identifying the interests um that the everyday person has And then using those interests and piggybacking, if you want, onto those interests to deliver whatever geoscience content that you have. So I call this uh, geologizing because I'm a geologist. I, I geologize stuff. You could do that in, in any area of the sciences. Yeah. So um, let's say you're talking to somebody and, you know, they're a huge Dwayne The Rock Johnson fan. Right. That's, who's that's, that? That's, just, just for people who don't Dwayne, know, Dwayne, who, who's Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson, ex-wrestler, uh, Fast and Furious, you know, he's The Rock, right? Uh, you know, he did Jumanji, the new version of the Jumanji films recently. Um, that's about as far away from the Earth sciences as you can get, right? You can't, I mean, apart from his name, The Rock, apart from that, it's nothing to do with it, <laughs> but this is as far away as you can get. So... If you're talking to somebody who's absolutely fanatical about Dwayne Johnson, how can you actually talk to them about the geosciences? Okay. Well, you're not going to talk about volcanoes. You're going to talk about Dwayne Johnson. Okay. And believe it or not, there's a way to actually reverse engineer Dwayne Johnson so that you can actually show the person that he would not exist if it wasn't for volcanism in the Pacific Ocean. Okay, for example, okay, <laughs> that, that's, 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 that's a fact. In fact, I made a video all about it. You can check it out. And so I made that I video because I didn't... We put it into the show notes. We put it in the show okay, notes, that video. Okay, okay. so <laughs> I, I made that video not because I wanted to inspire geologists. I didn't. I made that video because I wanted to reach out to people who like celebrities and that kind of stuff because then they will start thinking about, huh, the stuff that I'm interested in, my day-to-day -day life, the things that I actually consider to be important, are actually predicated on the Earth's system, right? And so I'm not expecting them to have a alleluia moment where they're, I'm going to do Earth sciences at university. No. All I want them to do, for me, success means that they are now interested and a little bit more rece receptive to the idea that they're actually connected to the planet, Okay. And in a world where we're talking about sustainability and changing people's behavior, that's actually really, really important, right? 
They actually start to think that they are actually part of the planet. You could do that for anything, anything. Take it as a subject as far removed as possible you can from your own area of the science and try to smash them together and see what happens, right? But how would you do that? Because I like <laughs> I love this idea and I, and I like this this vocabulary that you just used, like to reverse engineer the your target group essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but what I know from research organizations and similar researchers is that it that there's not there's scarce resources, there's scarce time and everything. And I, what I tell the researchers a lot is like if you don't know what to create about or publish about yeah. you could just start by documenting your day you yeah. know but documenting yeah. your day is quite far away from what yeah. you was just describing yeah. like in german we have this saying like to think around the corner and yeah. i feel what you just like suggested that's that requires a lot of thinking around the corner yeah. in order to yeah. getting to your um, to your yeah. target group so i'm not asking for a scheme but like if i would be in a research organization and i'm thinking hayden that's a cool idea and i think we would really need to connect other topics to then our research that we do how how would you go about it or like what would you tell these kind of yeah, representatives of research organizations for example well you know i would say first of all i would say to them yes it requires more time that means investment because time is money okay um but you cannot afford not to do this okay um i i I go with you. I, I am I am fully with your idea about if a researcher doesn't know how to start with ScienceCom, they could just start a vlog or a blog or they could just document their day. There are people who are interested in that. It won't get great engagement at the beginning. It's a hard slog. It takes a long time. And, yeah. you, and, and, and the more you do it, the better you get at it, as you know. Um, and so they will become more dynamical. They will become more engaging. They'll understand what turns people on. So I'm not saying people shouldn't do what, you, what you're suggesting. I think they should, especially if they're camera shy and they don't know how to be on social media. What I'm saying is to get the engagement that we need to change society, we need to start to uh, not put ourselves first. We need to put our audience first. Okay, we need to mm. we need to turn the tables 180, really, um, because what we do is we kind of drag the audience, the general public to us. Right. We drag we drag them. It's kind of a painful process. What we should be doing is we should be dragging ourselves to the audience. And that does not mean dumbing down or being condescending. That means introducing it in a way, in a context, in a language which actually people can relate to that people can actually say that resonates with me emotionally and that will change them that will change their behavior because they're actually that 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 mix was with them that that's part of who they are um and so yes it requires a change of perspective of the way we think but believe me it is way way more rewarding and it's way more uh, engaging and you'll get better results Uh, because of that mm. now we can talk about afterwards you know the obstacles that academics have to dedicate that amount of time to do that and how we get around those obstacles and i completely appreciate that they are there what i am just saying is that in terms of engagement that is the way that it should be done yeah because what's, what's kind of interesting is like last week i recorded this session with um 
with Josh, Josh Ettinger about uh, storytelling. And it's so close, kind of, this idea that you're putting forward, like what he put forward is like, you got to give people a, yeah, an opportunity yeah. To, to feel something or be, be, be engaged with a story mm. or with something that, that connects with yeah. the life of the audience. And then, you, as you just said, you drag them in or then you, you try to, uh, yeah, come with your content around and just, yeah, educate or like, like let them yeah. know about stuff. When you, when you say you don't have to drag them to us, but we have to go towards our audiences, when we, when we translate that or when we try to translate that to social media, What, what would be channels that you would suggest that you could yeah, get better engagement with people who are so far a little bit yeah, disconnected, disengaged um, with or from, social, uh, from scientific contents? This is where we go at the deep end because I appreciate that many of your listeners are academics mm. and uh, some, some of your previous guests have uh, you know, talked about how to use Twitter, for example, to, to do science engagement. Um, now that's good for the kind of science engagement that we were talking about, where you're actually talking about your day-to-day -day life uh, and talking about your own scientific journey, uh, your publish publications, and maybe talking about publishing a vlog about, you know, why it's important. That's fine, mm -hmm. um, but it's just a, it's it's really a question of uh, the actual algorithm and the engagement rate of Twitter just happens to be the lowest of any social media platform. So it's about 0.01%, which means for every thousand people that actually see your post, you're going to get one person comment or like it. Mm. Uh, and the comment is a share. big thing already. It's a big thing. And it counts yeah. as a lot. Yeah, exactly. But if you compare that <clears throat> to uh, Instagram or TikTok, where the average engagement rate is about 7%, so that's like two orders of magnitude higher, um, And, you know, if you do it right, if you actually, if you actually, you know, audit your profile properly and you really understand what the audience wants to see and you elicit feedback from the audience with the tools that they give you that you don't have on Twitter, then uh, you can get engagement rates of 15, 20%, even 35% um, relatively easily if you get good at it. So um, it, it, it just means that, Who do we want to? Who do we want to target? We want to target, for me anyway. We want to target the next generation, right? Mm. Uh, because we want to get them into science and inspired by science, um, and we want to have high engagement rate, and we want to get more females into the geosciences too, and underrepresented minorities. Um, and so, that Instagram, for example, just one example, ticks all of those boxes, right? It is the next generation. It has a way higher engagement rate. There are loads of underrepresented minorities um, on, on Instagram with highly engaged profiles, way higher, way, with my, way more higher engagement than on Twitter. And so why wouldn't you go there? Okay, I mean, why, why, why would you not do that? I mean, it just makes perfect sense. It, they, people don't do that because it is a different universe. And Twitter is simply tweet, press, done. Okay, mm -hmm. it's that simple. Yeah, Do you it. require more. You re, you require more more resources, and it's a different. Yeah, it's as you just said. I like that that you just said. It, like it's a different universe. It's not the policy yeah. science policy research mm. universe, but it's yeah the other world. And again, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter is. I mean, people follow you on Twitter because they have similar interests to you, right? And they want to know about that. 
that makes it almost by definition an echo chamber, right? Because you're talking to people who are like you, who, who are interested in your things. However, you are deprived of the audience that is disengaged, right? There's way more disengaged, scientifically disengaged people on Instagram and TikTok than there is on Twitter. Twitter is a little mm. more academic uh, and celebrity focused. And so um, in my world, in my strategy for science outreach, Twitter doesn't make any sense, okay? In the, the target audience I have can only be reached on engagement rates uh, platforms, which are like at least 7%. And that means that for me, that has meant TikTok. That's sorry, that has meant Instagram. That's the platform I've adopted. But there are other platforms that you could use. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, what I understand is that obviously when we when you and me, we want to find like customers or like people that we can support, then it's probably good to have a, a, a good Twitter following. Yeah, because This is like, as you said, echo chamber. I know that echo chamber is a, is a word or a term that's been used in very different ways. So, but it's like, this is our crowd. Um, but then these more newer social media flat platforms, for example, Instagram, even though Instagram is not new, actually, it's quite, sorry, 10 years old as well. Uh, but like, for instance, TikTok, um, this is where, where we, would, we, we would get these the disengaged ones. How would you tell research organizations to start producing content for these um, for these platforms, would you wow. try to get young, uh, young people who are like in who know these platforms mm -hmm. well, or like, or they, I guess there's, or like, would you ask the yeah. 50 year old researcher dude or the lady, whatever, <laughs> to then make funny TikTok videos? Like, no, but like from your experience, how what, what, how would you try to do this? Well, no. Um, well, first of all, I would note that many research organizations research organizations do use TikTok and do use Instagram, especially Instagram. In fact, you know, the Science Museum, Natural History Museum, the Geological Society of London, the European Federation of Geologists, the EGU, the AGU, they all they all have Instagram. The only problem is they don't do it very well. They don't care about how it works. They don't care about the algorithm. They don't care about the time of posting. They don't care about frequency. Uh, they don't care about their demographics. Um, You know, I could go to town on each of these profiles and, 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 and break them down and, and to tell them. And I've tried to tell them. They're just too big to listen, really. Um, how they can increase their engagement from what it is now, which is about 1% up to 7%, which is this is a massive increase. So, mm. the, so the problem is, it's not that they're not using it. I mean, there's not enough of them using it, that's true. But those that are using it, just don't appreciate the power that they have to actually make a difference they are not they haven't caught up with the technology of the platform yet okay mm. uh, that essentially means the algorithm all right Hayden. now we talked uh, quite a lot about like this general topic of how to engage disengage but you already yeah touched upon uh, quite a lot of like hands-on tips actually and now in the second part of this episode i would really yeah I'm, It's not that I just want to talk about that, but we actually agreed to talk about it. So I'm just going to throw you, I think it's six points and um, um, on how to engage the disengaged, and but more on a hands-on level. And you've got like, I don't know, 30 to 60 seconds to just like throw okay. stuff out. Does that work? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, yeah. cool, man. Okay, how do formats need to look like in order to get these people who are not so much yet in the science universe? 
Okay, little or no text. It has to be very visual, okay? If you're going to make an announcement, don't put loads of text. If you have got lots of text to write, put it in what's called a carousel if you're using Instagram and make sure that there's very, very few text with lots of graphics on each one. Like beautiful graphics, simple graphics, clean graphics. Um, video is five times more engaging than anything else, including carousel posts. So uh, try to go for video. Try to train yourself to use video. It is way, way more engaging. Uh, Instagram will identify a video or push it up there. Uh, even use Reels. That's an invention by Instagram to compete with TikTok. Reels have a way higher engagement than anything else on Instagram. So if you can use these tools, uh, you'll have a way better chance of engaging with disengaged. Nice. You mentioned several times uh, engagement rates. W what are engagement rates really, actually, when we talk about mm. so uh, social media content? Well, you know, people think that if they post something on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, that it'll be seen by all of their followers. And that's just not the case. It'll be seen by a certain percentage of their followers. Let's say you've got a thousand followers. Uh, let's make the math simple, right? And, you know, Facebook or Instagram, they decide to show it to 100 of your followers, right? So you've got 100 people who have seen your post. That's your reach. That's called your reach, first definition. Your engagement rate is the number of those 100 people who have actually engaged, done something with your post. That could be a like, a comment, a share, a bookmark, for example. You know, what basically what it would mean is like, let's say if 10 people have done something with your post, out of 100 people reached, that is a 10% engagement rate. That's actually not bad. That's pretty good. Um, you know, the more followers you have, the lower your engagement rate goes because the total number of reached is increased. And so you expect that to decrease. But an excellent engagement rate, I have got like 14,000 or 16,000 followers on Instagram. Um, a good engagement rate for that would be about 3%. If you've got less than 1,000 followers, a good engagement rate would be about 7%. Uh, it's just a, a basically a ratio of how many people have reached versus how many people have actually interacted with it. But now you say, okay, 7%, 10% is good. What does the algorithm normally do on all of these platforms? Isn't it that they show it to 10? And if this mm. particular piece of content is good, then it gets to be shown to more people. Isn't that correct? Yeah, so the algorithm likes a bunch of stuff that scientists don't really appreciate. And they should do because they're scientists. You know, what does the algorithm want? Okay. They want people to interact with your post. So the more people interact with your post, the more the algorithm is going to consider that your post is quality and then it will show it to more people who are your followers. That's the first thing. So make sure your content is engaging. That will become even more engaging and it can snowball, right? You've also got to analyze your uh, times that you should post. So you can go into the back door of Facebook or Instagram. I don't think you can do it with Twitter and see when your demographics are active. And you need to post at the most active times because every single click that you make on Facebook or Instagram is tracked. They know that you're checking out these these details and they will assess you as a quality account because you are actually digging into these numbers. And so if they think you're a quality account, again, they're going to show it to more and more people. And the frequency that you post doesn't have to be every day. Some people are like three times a day because they think that's what Instagram wants. They don't. They want it to be periodic. Like it could be every day, it could be every two days, it could be every week. As long as it is something which is programmed, then Instagram will think that is quality. This person's taking it seriously and we're going to show it to more people. Okay, so it's about periodicity, engagement, frequency and how you use the platform.
Yeah, and these are things where it's really easy to actually uh, to make mistakes, isn't it? And I feel that many research organizations just like, yeah, we post when or whatever. And then yeah. also when someone comments, that's like one of the major things that I always see is like someone comments and then the account does not comment back. And this is the easiest yeah. way of to, uh, to, to increase uh, or tell the algorithm that this is piece of content that's important or that, that yeah. has some kind of engagement. That's like the easiest thing to do. And I see a lot of research organizations and researchers not really doing that. Okay, what topics to talk about on your on your social media uh, accounts okay so think that just pretend for a second that you are not a scientist okay and think about what you care about maybe outside your scientific life yeah these are the topics that everybody cares about right everybody engages with on a day-by-day -day basis those if you're going to disengage or disengage those are the people are those are the topics that you need to be thinking about and talking about Because that is the language of the people, right? So think about anything. So think about the diversity and the enormity of the human experience, right? Mm -hmm. Some people love literature, art, some people love music, some people love technology, um, you know, love, you know, sports. It could be anything, sports, soap operas, anything. Now, if you can introduce your topic, It's a challenge be a scientist. Like, how on earth do I do that? If you can introduce your topic through these back doors, uh, then people will engage. They will comment. They will share. And your your post even has a chance of going viral because each of these communities is very large and very engaged. And it can be shared very, very quickly. Uh, and so these are the kinds of topics that you need to be thinking about. Anything which is not your stuff, right? Mm. For the disengaged, okay? Yeah. And the last point now is, what can you do in order to have a nice profile? So the question is like, how how can you audit your profile that it's actually attractive to the people that you want to reach out to? Okay, well, the way that you know that your profile is in good shape is if your engagement rate is high. And so if your engagement rate is high, it means that the people that you are trying to reach are actually engaging with your post. It sounds It sounds so obvious, it's almost comical. It should be clean, it should be visual, uh, and uh, it should have a large amount of user feedback. So, I mean, like audience feedback. And so, when you are doing your feed, you should not be just creating the feed by yourself. You should be using the feedback from your audience to create your content. How do you do that? Well, there are so many tools that you can use. Um, the biggest tool that you can use is Stories. You probably know about Instagram stories. You could post a little box. You could do polls. Uh, you could do multiple choice. You can actually ask people what they want to see. And so then people, an Instagram algorithm takes note of that, that you're actually soliciting feedback from the audience. And then you actually create or uh, create content based on what your viewers actually want to see. That mm. is a great way, a very powerful way of having the audience take control of the content generation and your profile and the way you take care of it and make sure it's visually appealing and not too much clashing colors with like reds and greens together no if you do that properly um then with the user feedback you'll have a really nice and valuable profile 
But it's okay if in the beginning I make up a story and no one answers, isn't it? I just wanted to, like people in the audience who <laughs> listen to this, it that happens to every one of us. And I think if I put out a story with a lot of questions, it doesn't necessarily come, there's not a lot of stuff that necessarily comes back. Maybe that's a bit different with you, Hayden, because you have well, a little bit of a better, better or like larger following. But I'm well, just saying in the beginning, that's just, that's normal, isn't it? Tell me that that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. It is normal. Um, it depends a little bit. So there are two things. If your following isn't enormous or if the people following you are a little bit nebulous and they like following you because they don't know exactly what you're, you're, you're about yet, um, they won't. They often won't even see your stories because they haven't interacted with your stuff enough. If they interact with your stuff, then the stories is going to appear, uh, you know, further along, closer to their homepage. So they're actually more likely to actually see you. So it takes a bit of time to get visibility. If you still don't get any responses, you might be asking the wrong questions. It might be a question that your audience is, is basically telling you, we're not interested in that question. Okay, And so you might have to simplify the question and make the question, couch the question more in terms of what the audience is interested in or what the general public would be interested in or whoever your audience is. So again, yeah. it's about taking yourself away from the question. It's not about what I want to know. Let's think about what the audience wants to know and then put a question for them in that way. And they're more likely to engage with it. Yeah. Okay, And I guess when you are... A research organization for example you have probably it, it's it makes more sense to have some kind of like a, a profile that always comes up with content in a very specific area so that people can actually ex know what to expect from your content while like personal personal accounts for example my accounts i i, I post about my my personal life i post about energy transitions and science communication that's quite yeah. wide already so i'm um, so i guess that's uh, yeah it's um makes it yeah. harder sometimes uh, to get yeah, I, engagement that is, that is That is hard because people um, people go to you and the, the, the bio at the top, I remember Elodie was talking about this on Twitter, the bio at the top is right, really, really important. Yeah. Um, you need to be very clear about what the person is going to be receiving if they follow you. And so if you've got three projects on the go, plus your personal life, uh, people are going to be like, well, what, I, what's this all about? He was talking about that last time and now I don't know what he's talking about. You know, I I don't know. There's nothing really. There's not a unique selling point, right? And it has to be very clean. And so something like that, this might strike horror into you, Julius, because you're already very, very busy. It might be necessary to create three profiles or two profiles. Ain't gonna one, happen. One, one personal and one, <laughs> you know, professional, whatever. That's the way that many people do it, actually. That's me. Yeah, yeah, and that's okay too. It's like you can also on Instagram, for example, you can show your stories to your all your whole audience or your friends' audience, so that's possible. And maybe that's just because of that reason. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna have a lot of other. I, I'm running two podcasts. I'm starting a third one right now, and I have pretty much profiles everywhere. I'm I'm okay. But yeah, if <laughs> if you but if you if you if if you in the audience if you mean it, then I think it makes sense to have yeah a more specific. Yeah, let's put an account with a specific uh, content that goes always in the same direction. On the other hand, if you realize that this is not you anymore, and if you want to change, then this is what you should do as well. It's like you do you. So, um, and I think that's even more important because that 
because you can only do stuff a lot if it's actually you and if you actually thrive with it because it comes out of passion and if you're just oh, yeah. doing it because you get the better engagement rates then i'm not sure how sustainable that's going to be in your long term concerning your mental 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 health well that's true and it's, it's a trade-off because i i know uh, many influencers in my area of the sciences who have got 20 a hundred thousand two hundred thousand followers um and their engagement rates have now dropped off because Instagram has changed the algorithm. And now they are getting what we call imposter syndrome. And they're kind of like, oh, it's just a lot of work. I'm getting, I've got 100,000 followers for what? Mm. I, can't, I can't put food on the table. That's not going to work, right? And so what, what, what's the point of doing this? 100,000, it's never enough. I have to go to a million next. Then I'll be mm. happy. Go to a million. Nah, it's not enough. Anyway, so... It cannot be about how many followers you have. That's just the numbers. Yeah. It's really, it's really about the engagement rate. Now, it's important. Now, what, what you said is actually a really important point, Julius, and that's like you have to be happy about doing it. If you're not happy yourself, then there's no point at all in doing it. Because, in my opinion, you only live once, right? Mm. And so, it, there is a balance there. There is a tension about what is interesting and what gets you out of bed in the morning, as you were talking about. Mm. Um, versus what the audience needs to be engaged and so there is a balance that you have to strike yeah. i'm lucky because what gets me out of bed in the morning as i said before is literally my kids and so my life on social media often revolves around the kids which means that i can introduce the geosciences in a really fun way so if i'm at the playground with them playing I'll just get out my phone and I'll do a quick lesson on the Coriolis effect uh, using the roundabout, right? And so I can actually work that into my day-to-day -day routine. There has to be a way that you have to find yourself, you, Julius, or whoever, that you can enjoy yourself doing it, plus it engages the audience. It's yeah. actually quite important. Hayden, I think... You said it really nice and i think it's actually that's really a good thing on how maybe to also end this episode because it's it's such an important point and i think anything that comes later is not gonna make yeah be better at what you just said now that it's it's about yeah you being happy as a creator and if you can connect the things that you like with the ones that engages the disengaged or engages any type of audience then this is the right way to go yeah. before we leave you uh hayden if people kind of liked you and if they think that the content that you provided now was valuable to them, how can they reach out to you? Uh, because I mean, email, my email is Hayden, H-A-Y-D-O-N at geologize.org. Um, they can go to Instagram, which is geologize with a Z, geologize official. Um, and on LinkedIn, it's just, just look for geologize or Hayden Mort and you'll find me on LinkedIn. Cool. And Hayden, do you want to maybe just talk about your online course that you also offer? So, yeah, my course is called Practical Geocommunication. It's endorsed by uh, eight global geoscience esteemed organizations around the world. And it's adopted by universities around the world and other groups. And so, yeah, Practical Geocommunication is on training.geologize.org. Um, and it's an on-demand on -demand blended learning course, which means people can do it in their free time, but they can also do quizzes and upload assignments. There are also live sessions. And so people can actually have that experience with interaction with me in their free time. Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of popular. So anybody who's listening to this and who wants to do my course, I've had actually have physicists and chemists and 
atmospheric scientists do the course, even though they're not geoscientists and find it really, really useful. So anyone who's doing this, uh, who's listening to this podcast, um, I'm happy to give them an 80% discount and I'll send the coupon that you can post along with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. We didn't talk about this before, but I'm going to leave it in the podcast episode. <laughs> All right, Hayden. Thanks for joining me today. And um, yeah, talking about the engaging the disengaged. I think there was a lot of value in this episode. So thanks for, for coming around. Thanks very much, Julius, for the opportunity. Take care. <laughs>